0: Amen. Just lift your hands as we just begin to pray before we start this afternoon. There's a strong anointing this morning about the potter's hand that Bruce ministered. And in the same vein, we're going to be speaking about go into all the world, but sending today. And in order for us to get a grip on this message today, I want us to pray and connect with that message that was shared this morning about the potter's hand. And a key phrase which will come up in this message today is, here am I, send me. So I want you to lift your hand right now in the name of Jesus. There was a song during the worship time about surrender. So I want you to just begin to lay your life down afresh to God. Let him sanctify you in this place today by the power of his spirit in Jesus' name. And just say, Lord, you're the potter, I'm the clay, mold me and make me into what you've called me to be, in the name of Jesus. Not because I have to, not because someone's persuaded me to, because you are birthing something in me, your dreams, your plan, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the message that was shared this morning. And Father, we just connect with that message right now, in the name of Jesus. You said, go into the world and preach the gospel. You said, send out teams, send out people. Jesus, you came, you were sent. And Lord, we ask you today in the name of Jesus, by the power of your grace, that you would empower us, Lord God, to be the men and women you call us to be. That whatever you you ask us to do, we'll say, Lord, what is it, Lord? Your servant is listening in Jesus' name. Where do you want me to go, Father? Lord, open our ears, Lord. Soften our hearts right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I particularly pray for leaders today, cell group leaders, people who have stepped out this year, that this year will be the year of growth and breakthrough for them as they've laid their lives on the altar. Father, we ask you these things today in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. And uh, the title of the message is, Go Into All the World. And the specific area we're going to focus on is sending. Sending. Ask your neighbor, where are you going? Amen. Where are you going? Well, where are you sending me, Lord? Amen. Where are you sending me? That will depend on where I'm going. And uh, the word send is to cause or to enable to go, to send a messenger, to cause to be conveyed to a destination or send a letter. To order or request to go, to send troops into battle, or to propel or drive, to emit or utter the lion sent a roar through the jungle, to cause to occur or to transmit a signal. And the word in the Greek for sent or sent one is the word apostle, and here in the Greek is apostolos, which means one who. Is sent. And we see this theme right throughout the Bible. So we're gonna be focusing here on Matthew's Gospel, chapter nine. Now, the title of this series is People with a Passion, Hallelujah. Who has a passion in this place today? A few of you, hallelujah. How many people are passionate about football? How many are passionate about food? Oh, a few more people there, hallelujah. I tell you, if you are more passionate about Jesus than you were about food, there'd be revival. Hallelujah. Here in Matthew 9, verse 35, and it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. It says there, he was moved with compassion for them. Well, the title of this series is People with a Passion, or Compassion. When your heart is moved, that's where your passion is. Hallelujah. Uh, if you want to know where the anointing is the strongest, often Jesus healed people when he was moved with compassion. I don't know if you've found that in your personal life. When you're moved with compassion, it's easy to pray for people. In fact, there seems like a desperation to pray for them because you actually moved with compassion for them. And here, Jesus moved with compassion. In fact, He says, I didn't come to call the righteous, but I came to call the sinner to repentance. In another verse. So we know that Jesus is passionate about people. He's passionate about the gospel. And then it says in verse 37, then he said to his disciples, 'The, the harvest truly is plentiful, but it's the workers that are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out... If you have a Bible, you can underline that. To send out laborers into his harvest. So Jesus is moved with compassion. He's passionate about people. He's looking at them because they're weary and scattered in need of help. And he says, you know what the key is? It's to send out more laborers. Hallelujah. To send out more people. So what does he do in Matthew's gospel, chapter 10? When he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out. And to heal all kinds of sicknesses. And diseases. Then verse five. Then these 12, Jesus sent out, there it is again, and commanded them saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Now how many people would love to be used by God like that? You go out there, you preach the message of the kingdom, and healings are just taking place. Blind eyes are opening. The kingdom of God is coming because you're a representative of God. The reason I opened in prayer this morning, uh, this afternoon, on the topic of the potter's hand, because I really felt where this is concerned in sending people out, the first thing that you need to remember is that you can't be sent out unless you surrender to God. Unless you surrender to God. A man who's not surrendered to God, who has not given his life to God, cannot be sent out. Jesus here in the Scriptures, he sent out a disciple. Now, what is a disciple? What is a disciple? We're a disciple church, aren't we? What's a disciple? A follower. Someone who's following or taking steps forward in their relationship with God. They're passionate. They're a passionate learner. The word disciple is methetes. It means a learner or follower. Uh, And so someone who's moving forward with God. I remember when we started certain ministries in the church and and I had to encourage some of the guys because sometimes when you move away from God, you you, you stop being a follower, you stop being a disciple. And I'd say, listen, if you're going to be involved in ministry, it's not about yesterday. You were passionate yesterday, but a disciple is someone who's moving forward with God. Hallelujah. Who's seeking to move forward, to keep improving himself, to keep following God in Jesus' name. Now, how many people heard of David Beckham? Who's that exactly? In Scotland they don't know him. They know Alex McLeish. Who's who's he? David Beckham. The reason David Beckham is famous, I believe, is because he practiced. You know, practice makes perfect. And he would turn up early at the training ground and stay late, and he would perfect what he was gifted in. Now, he wasn't Lionel Messi, he wasn't Pelé, he wasn't, you know, a talented dribbler, but he would just turn up every day and he would practice. He would be diligent. Now, a disciple is someone who's diligent, someone who's following their passion. And if we're passionate about Jesus, we've got to continue to keep moving forward in what we're passionate about. Now, I want to turn over to Mark's gospel, chapter 16. Now, go into all the world. Here it is in this scripture. It says here in Mark's gospel, 16 and verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. It's interesting to see when God sends you out, he will back up his word with power. Hallelujah. He sends you out with his authority and his power. So when we're a little worried about going out and sharing our faith with others, know this, that God is with you. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, go and make disciples, but he also said, lo, I am with you even to the ends of the age. So notice when you step out, the whole of heaven is behind you. Hallelujah. One word can get somebody saved if it's anointed with the Holy Spirit. If God sends you out, he will back up his word. And here in verse 19, it says there, so then after the Lord has spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So these people they were passionate about God. They heard the instruction of Jesus and straight away they responded by going out and preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. Now if you're passionate today, if you're a person with a passion, people with a passion go into all the world, Jesus is our Lord, then we're going to share our faith with others. Something needs to happen in us. Now I believe it's when you're surrendered. When you're surrendered to God and that's point one today. Sending and surrender go together. Sending and surrender go together. In Isaiah 6, there was a question the Lord asked to Isaiah. In Isaiah 6, he had this vision of God, and God said to him, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then Isaiah, because he has this encounter with God, he automatically responded, Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Everybody say that together right now. Here Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. So often when you have an encounter with God and you, you, you're really passionate about God, the automatic response is a, is a response of worship. You say, God, what is your agenda for my life? Moses in Exodus chapter 3, what was his response? There was a burning bush there. And God called him said, Moses, Moses. And Moses responded in this way. He said, here I am, Lord. Here am I, Lord. What do you want me to do? The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9. When he had an encounter with Jesus and the the glory of God came upon him and he was blinded for a couple of days, he responded by saying, Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? He knew that a greater power, a greater authority had come into his life. And then his second question was, What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? That's, That's how you're converted, isn't it? When you receive Jesus into your life, something happens to you. You say, Lord, I'm no longer following my way. But now, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's a disciple. A disciple is somebody who every day gets up or uh, at lunchtime, whenever you have your prayer and you say, God, what do you want me to do? It's surrender. Surrendering your life goes with sending. I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 13 and that's where we're gonna focus today. I remember when I, when I came down to London to KT and to the Bible school and uh, often... KT can be a a bit of a daunting place because there's so many hundreds of people. Nine o'clock, 11 o'clock, the place is packed. It's difficult sometimes to get to know people. And in those days, we had loads of ministries, but we we didn't really have too many cell groups. We we were a large church. And I remember coming and just thinking to myself, Lord, I'm here, and and I'm coming to Bible school, but I need to be connected. And somebody prophesied over my life. Somebody prophesied over me and said, you know, Christian, I really believe God's going to use you in evangelism. And I thought to myself, I didn't know what, number one, really know what evangelism was about. The only thing I really knew was evangelism was about handing out flyers on the street, and that didn't seem to work. So I had a bit of a negative connotation of evangelism, because if evangelism is handing out flyers on the street, then I didn't really want to do it. But at the same time, because I was passionate about Jesus, I still had that question, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I remember sitting in the service, and God speaking to me and said, you know what, where you need to start is you just need to help. Hallelujah. We just need to help. Help somewhere. And I thought, you know what, if someone said I'm going to be using evangelism or missions or, or in that certain context, then I need to be around people who are also passionate about this thing so I can learn as well. And so I remember downstairs in the lower hall, I, I went down to uh, where the G12 room is, and Bruce Atkinson, who was the Dean of Students back then, uh, I went into his office, and I just remember sitting and saying, oh, I'm really passionate about God. I believe God's going to use me. Where can I help? And I, as I just expounded my passion about mission and about what people have prophesied over my life, and as I, you know, I wasn't walking the walk as yet. I was still in training. I would just come to London. I was only 18, and I was saying this, and Bruce said, you know what? Will you help in our missions department? Will you help in our missions department? And I thought to myself, you know what? I had no other agenda. I just automatically thought, yes, I'll help in the missions department. So every day after school, I'll go to the missions department and help. And as I was helping, what was I doing? I was on those old box Mac computers. And uh, the director of missions back then, he just got me to type letters. That wasn't really a glorifying ministry. I wasn't shaking the nations. I wasn't healing the sick or raising the dead or anything like that. I was just a typist. That's all I was doing. The second thing I was doing was photocopying. Hallelujah. I would photocopy lots of sheets of paper. Now, I I never once thought in those days, you know, what, what am I doing? I was just faithful. I wanted to serve in the Bible school. I was passionate, seeking God. And sometimes you've got to just serve in the meantime. Serve God. When you're asking God, what do you want me to do? Find a place to serve. Amen. Find a place to serve. In Acts chapter 13, let's read it here. We see here about the Holy Spirit sending out two Pacific people. Now, we're going to move into a month of mission. When you turn up in July, all you're going to hear is mission, mission, mission. Hallelujah. And I believe that before you come in from the foyer, the fire of God is going to touch your life. Hallelujah. And something's going to happen to you. We are going to be preaching mission, but in fact, you're also going to be preaching the mission. Hallelujah. When I speak, you say, how are you? You're going to say, mission. I say, how are you? Mission. Everything's going to be about mission, hallelujah, because we believe in God for the anointing of God to come upon the church, and we're going to be surrendered. We're going to be asking God, where do you want me to go? What mission do you have? What plan do you have for me? But these people in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas, were some of the first missionaries that were sent out here in Acts 13 and verse uh, 12, 25, and then Acts 13, verse 1. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, and when they had fulfilled their ministry, they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had also been brought up by Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Spirit said, now separate me, to me, or set me set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. And then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands upon them and they sent them away. Now in the early church, they were often using that word sent. You notice in Matthew 10, Jesus sent out the disciples and here they laid hands upon them And the Holy Spirit, they ministered to the Lord, and the Holy Spirit came upon them and spoke to them and said, listen, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I've called them. Now, sending and serving go together, I believe. Sending and serving, there's got to be a period of serving in your life before God can send you. We live in a culture, uh, church culture, don't we, where if you're... You receive a little bit of anointing, maybe you laid hands on a few people and it all fell over. Then suddenly you think you're Benny Hinn. Suddenly you think you're the, the kingpin. And, and instead of going with a heart to serve, you say, you know what? God's called me as apostle. Can I preach this morning, Pastor Colin? People come up like that because there seems to be an attitude in our society right now where everybody wants to be the king, but nobody wants to be the servant. Now, these apostles, Barnabas and Saul, or Paul. Saul and Paul, same person. They were sent out because the Holy Spirit identified them. Hallelujah. Now, if we're going to go and preach the gospel and make a difference to God, every Christian is called to be a witness. That means God's anointing on the church can come upon you. But for a specific ministry, if God's going to give you a specific ministry, send you on a mission, plant a church, do something specific for him, then you need to spend some time serving. What did Barnabas do? Barnabas means the son of encouragement. Barnabas sold a field. He sold his whole house and he gave it to the church. That's quite radical. And I don't think Barnabas was selling his whole field to get something. He certainly didn't sow his his field to say, oh, five chapters later, I think the anointing of God will come upon me. No, he was just, he loved God. From the purity of his heart, he loved God. And then Paul got saved. And remember reading in Acts Acts, that some of the disciples were scared of Paul. Do you remember that? They were scared of Paul because why? Because Paul, before he was, his name was Saul, he was dragging people, the Christians, and putting them in prison. And he gets radically saved. And guess who's the one who disciples him? It's Barnabas. Barnabas wasn't scared of Saul. He recognized the call of God upon his life and he started to disciple him. So, what was Barnabas doing? Barnabas was going through this period of training in his life, he was serving, he was faithful. He was discipling some of the early converts like Saul and Paul. And he was discipling them. And then in Acts 13, the Holy Spirit says, now separate to me Barnabas. You know Barnabas there he's first. I believe that's important. Why? Because Barnabas was saved first and Barnabas was discipling Saul. He was discipling him in the things of God. Last week, Gable shared about discipleship. Every one of us can disciple one person. Hallelujah. Amen. And I believe that the Holy Spirit can just come upon you and show you who you're to disciple. Now, sometimes we get in the flesh when we're trying to start the work of God. The, the work of God cannot be started in the flesh. Amen? I mean, you're, literally, you're in the flesh, but you know what I'm saying. Not a worldly mindset. Not just organizing. Not just methodology. It needs to come from the Holy Spirit. If something is gonna start in your life, it needs to come from God. God birthed something in your life. Now, as Barnabas was serving, obviously God had started to birth something in his life, a dream. Maybe his dream was to go on mission. Maybe his dream was to plant a church. Maybe his dream, there's something happening. And the Holy Spirit said, now separate me, this man, for the work for which I've called him. And then Saul as well. Paul got saved in Acts chapter 9, and in, in the scripture, it says that God had to speak to Ananias and say to him, go after Saul. I want you to turn up to Acts chapter nine. I referred to it earlier, how Paul got saved and there was a light shining from heaven. A light shining from heaven. And he gets born again, he gets saved. And he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then in verse 10, God turns up and he speaks to one of the early disciples, Ananias, in verse 10 of Acts chapter nine. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here am I, Lord. See that again? That's surrender, sending and surrender. What qualifies you to be sent out by God? What qualifies you to be sent out by the church? A heart that is surrendered. He says, Here I am, Lord, I'm your servant. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, inquire there the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man, Ananias, coming in and put his hands on him, so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. Everybody say, Go. Say it again, loud and strong, go. go. Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentile kings and children of Israel, but I will show him many things he must suffer for my namesake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying hands on, on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me. Everybody say, sent me. Has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he was received and he received his sight at once, and he rose and he was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened, and Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached to Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Now think about this right now: Ananias is just chilling at home, being a faithful disciple, getting on with his work just faithful to God, and God turns up and says, hey, there's a man just got saved, and I want you to go and witness to him. I want you to go and lay your hands upon him and tell him that what has happened to him is of God. says, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me to you. Why did that happen? Because Ananias was surrendered. Ananias was a surrender to God. He was a disciple of God. God turns up because he's a follower of God. He's a disciple of God. And he says, Ananias, and Ananias, because he was faithful in the things of God, suddenly this new, I'll call him a mega apostle. Because it's not often that you see people saved, and it's suddenly the preaching in the market square. I wish that that would happen to us all, amen? Including me, included. that the anointing of God, would come upon us so powerfully, that God would start sending us people, we'd get baptized afresh with the power of God, and then we'd go out and preach. Hallelujah. That's kind of what's happening right now in Cumbran. There's a pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Anybody see the advert last week? Richard Taylor and Combrand. 500 people meeting on a daily basis. What's, what is the purpose of this outpouring? I'll tell you what the purpose is. It's to raise up leaders, to strengthen the church. To set the church alight so they can go out into the rest of Wales and plant churches. Because I tell you, the vision that Richard has is a vision to plant churches, actually plant many churches. So one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit has suddenly turned up is because Richard has a heart to plant churches. I believe that. So I believe in God that it's not just an outpouring for Christians, amen, in Christendom where it's nice and popular and everybody goes there and be, be filled, Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. But actually, the Holy Spirit headbutts you in the name of Jesus, and you get up changed. Hallelujah. And you say, Lord, what do you want me to do, Lord? Do you want me to plant a church? Do you want me to go on a mission field? That's exactly what we want to happen in the month of missions. We don't want to just raise funds and pray and do a church program. During that missions month, we want people to be raised up as missionaries. We want God to birth in you a heart for Brazil, birth in you a heart for Algeria, birth in you a heart for Romania, birth in you a heart for the the nations of the world. But before you are coming and say, God, I want my needs met. I want to just feel better at the 2.30 service. If Gable Chan can just encourage me and the preachers here can just encourage you, make me feel better. I tell you, God's got a higher purpose for you than that. And when you come to the 2.30 service in July, you'll be saying, God, I do feel better because I'm called for mission. Hallelujah. I do feel better because I've got a purpose for my life because the Holy Spirit has come upon you and he's changed your heart, hallelujah. Now there's a process happening, Saul gets out and he preaches, he's faithful in the things of God and then in Acts chapter 13, the Holy Spirit says, you know what, I've got a purpose for Barnabas, I've got a purpose for Saul and I'm gonna send them out to make a difference for God, hallelujah. Now that's what I'm believing for you today, I'm believing that God is gonna send you out. A third point today is sending and the Holy Spirit go together. Sending and the Holy Spirit. So we got sending and surrender. Sending and serving. Sending and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. It's the Holy Spirit that identifies the call of God upon your life. Then the Holy Spirit speaks to people and people identify the call of God in your life and something starts to happen. I'll tell you a story. When I was 17, I was in a in faith camp, Kingdom Faith, They have a camp, and I've been, I was gone there with my mom from about age 7, for a good 10 years. This was the last time I've ever been there. And the year before, it was the time where I was going through a transition in my Christian walk. I was, you know, people offering me cigarettes and I'd try them, I was drinking a little bit or things like that. And I was thinking, you know, I was going to church a little bit and it was kind of the working out. So the first time on the ninth year, I went to faith camp, and some people were at, offering me cigarettes and different things, and I tried a little bit. And, but in my heart, I knew that I was backsliding, I was away from God. Then the, the year later, what happened in the space of one year, God had rededicated my life to God. Something was happening to me, and there was a hunger and a desire for God. But at 17, I, I still was in that transition. But I knew I wanted to follow God. So during that time, the same people who would offer me cigarettes during the previous year, I started witnessing to them. I started telling them, listen, you need to get your life sorted out with God. You need to start following Jesus. And, and, and as we were just chilling out in the middle of the morning, would, instead of talking about sinful things, which were the, the year before, we were now talking about God. And then on the faith camp, they had these I would call them disciple makers, or people who were looking out for young people who were smoking behind the the bike sheds or whatever they were doing, and they would catch them. Hallelujah. They would catch them, and they would start witness to them and giving them the gospel. So these disciples, these people, they they caught us. But they didn't know that God was already working on our lives. God was working on me. God was working on, on people. And we're outside the tent. There was a big kind of night evening thing with some rappers and different things that were happening. And we, were, we didn't go into the meetings because I love football, so I was just playing football outside. And as I was playing football outside, hanging out with my friends, these people came up to us and started telling us about how they believe that God's got a call on each of our lives. God's called us to a higher purpose than just hanging out outside the tent. And in the middle of that, you know, the Holy Spirit is not bothered about your agenda. The Holy Spirit has an agenda. He knows the purpose for your life. I wasn't seeking God at that time. There were some rumblings of God in my life, but these people, they started to say, hey, can we pray with you outside this tent in the dark while the music was going on? I said, okay, yeah, sure, go for it. And as they prayed for one of my friends, he fell, bang, he fell into the power of God. And then they prayed for me. I lifted my hands and they started to prophesy over my life. And these were the startings of something that was happening in my life at that time. They started to prophesy, you know what? We believe that God's going to use you. We believe that God's going to use you in miracles. We believe, oh my days, and they would start getting excited. You know, these Holy Spirit people, they start getting excited. Oh, the Holy Spirit says to us that, man, people are just going to fall down and surrender their lives to God when you preach to them, and different things. And I didn't really know what that meant, because my knowledge of the Bible wasn't that much. I just, I just took that word as they begin to prophesy, I thought, wow. People are going to react when I preach them. Something's going to happen in my life. God's going to start to use me. And that was the seed of dreaming about becoming an evangelist because I didn't know what an evangelist was back then. And I came back supercharged with this prophecy. And for a good three months, all people in the church started to prophesy of me. Listen, God's called you. God's called you to preach the gospel. And something, that was before I came to KT. Why? Because the Holy Spirit starts to identify where you should be sent. Where you should be sent. Some of you might be asking right now, where has God called me to go? I said, some of you here right now. You're here because God sent you here. You thought you came for a good job, but God sent you here for a purpose, higher than that job. Amen? Some of you know you shouldn't be here. You should be back to where God's called you. And some of us are in the middle trying to work it out. But the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you're called to do and where you're called to be. That's why the Holy Spirit started to speak to Barnabas and Saul and say, These guys have been faithful. These guys have served me. They've been radical. They've been disciples. And because they've been disciples, now these men send them out so they can make a difference for me. Notice this, that Jesus was also sent. I want you to turn over to John's Gospel, chapter 20. When we think about people being lone rangers in the church today and just doing their own thing, one thing that Richard Taylor said on that DVD last week, he says he believes that God uses people who are humble, hallelujah, and hungry. Anybody get that? Humble and hungry. If you ever study about revival, you know people who are humble and hungry. Jesus came as a humble servant and also, What you see about Jesus in life is that he was under authority. He was under the authority of who? God the Father. He often said, you know what? I only do what the Father shows me to do. I only do what the Father is doing. So we know that he was under authority. So Jesus was sent. He says here in John 20 and verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Hallelujah. As the Father has sent me, think about that for a moment. Look at this. With the same authority that God sent Jesus, Jesus is also sending you. With the same authority that God sent Jesus, God is also sending you. That means that God's going to back up his word. And then he said to them, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So there seems to be something going on there. There's a commissioning going on there and the Holy Spirit's involved. So if God's going to send you out, the Holy Spirit is always going to be involved what you're doing. Now the Father sent Jesus into the world so that whoever believes on him would be saved. The Father sent Jesus into the world. He has sent me, Jesus said, to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus said in Luke's gospel, chapter 4, and verse 43, I must preach the gospel to the other cities, and fulfill the plan of him who sent me. And right throughout the scriptures, you see this theme that Jesus understood that he was sent from heaven, that he had a purpose. If you want to make a difference in your life, you need to know that you are born with a purpose. You are born for a reason. You were not born by chance. You have been sent into this world for such a time as this. There's people right now in your world that only you can reach. And God wants to tell you today that you have been commissioned. You have been sent out. You have been anointed with the Holy Spirit so that people in your world can come to faith in Christ. Well, how's it going to happen? I witnessed the people that it didn't happen. You need to get before God, become under authority, say, God, what do you want me to do? And allow the power of God to minister to you. Because in the period of Paul and Barnabas's life, there was a period of training, a period of helping, and then there was a period of commissioning in the name of Jesus. And Jesus said, just as the Father sent me, I also sent you. In John 5 verse 24, Jesus said, believe in the one who sent me and you will have life. You'll pass from life. You'll pass from death to life if you believe in the one who sent me. That's exactly what we are doing when we go out and represent Christ. We're not going on our own authority. We're going out on God's authority and God's power. So if nothing happens, then that's up to God. Amen? If, if, if you preach or present the gospel or just start talking and asking questions about people, let God lead the, con- the conversation. Let God direct people to God. I remember one of the most powerful words I've heard from Colin, our senior minister, share when he was saved in the early days of his Christian walk. And a a man was was witness, he was witness to a man and he'd come out with all these hard questions about where where did Cain get his wife from? You know, these kind of things. And uh, lots of talk about atheism, evolution, and Colin really didn't know the answers to these questions. And he just, each question he was asked uh, he responded, "I don't know." Then he was asked another question. "I don't know." A couple of questions. He just said, "I don't know." And then the man responded by saying, "Right, I'm ready to receive Jesus." And Colin said, "What was it that that convicted you? What, what was it that I said?" He said, "You know what? You didn't have all the answers. Because you didn't have all the answers, I'm ready to receive receive Jesus into my life." And how did that happen? Because the Holy Spirit was working on that man. And after Colin had not answered his questions, he was ready to receive. I said, you know, you don't, you don't know everything, and you know? I'm, I'm ready to follow a God like that. You know, we don't know what God is doing in people's lives. Those, those disciple security guards at the faith camp, they didn't know what God was doing in my life, but they were led by the Holy Spirit, and they just prophesied of us. On the outside, we looked like a bunch of backslidden Christians who weren't interested in church. But yet they persevered and they said, can I pray with you? And they prophesied. And something of the seed of God was planted in my heart that day. And I tell you, if you just go on planting seeds, knowing that you're commissioned by God, not only will you, you you'll be passionate, but your passion will start to make a difference. Hallelujah. That's what we want to see. Sending. I mentioned earlier, sending and going go together. You're not going to see anything unless you go. God said to Ananias, Go to Saul, go to Saul, and he saw his scales fall from his eyes, he saw him baptised in the Holy Spirit, baptised in water, and he probably saw him preaching in the synagogue. All because Ananias decided to get up and go. He had plenty of excuses, didn't he? He said, you know what, this guy is being been troubling the church. How do I know, whether if I go and preach to him and say, who are you, I'm going to drag you into prison. He had to take a risk. When you're sent out by God, there's a certain risk that you've got to take. Now, the risk of doing nothing, it means that nobody's going to get saved. But the risk of doing something, know, know this, there is a possibility that something might happen. Who knows? God might use you in miracles. God might save that person if you just step out and do something for God. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it talks about being an ambassador, an ambassador. That word apostles like being an ambassador, Being a representative of God, if God's sending you out, then he is backing it up with his power and his authority. Jesus sent them out in Luke 10, and he gave them power, and he gave them authority. Sending goes with power and authority. We are all ambassadors and representatives of God. I remember when I preached my first sermon downstairs in the lower hall. It Probably wasn't very good, but I thought it was good. That was the main thing. And it involved a lot of shouting, hallelujah. And I preached on 2, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 about stirring up the gift of God. And God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And I remember, in those days, I a little nervous. And I was getting up, it's, it's weird where your fears are, sometimes that are hindering you. In the street, I was nervous, but for some reason, when I was in the street now, I'd broken through, I could get up on the ladder, and I could preach. But when it came to the church, I was a little nervous. So I had boldness on the street, but in the church, I had these nerves still, and I wasn't sure if I could, and I was being timed, and it was going to be, you know, you start to worry and be concerned about all these things. But one thing that really helped me in those days, I, I pictured that all heaven was behind me. Because the Bible says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. That God is backing me up. He's the one who's given me boldness. And so when I preached, all the fear just left. Because every time it tried to come, I pictured in my mind, wow, all the angels are behind me. Whom shall I fear? Hallelujah. And that's sometimes where you've got to picture, knowing that when you send out, you're sent out, you're backed up with the power and the authority of God. I want to read to you now a story, a missions book, and I don't know if we'll have this missions book on sale, um, but this, this is a story about what can happen in mission, what can happen when God decides to send people out, because this is what I believe is the purpose of the Holy Spirit in visiting people. I don't know if you've ever heard, many of your cell groups, you may go to a cell group and somebody might say, wow, that cell group was powerful tonight. Anybody heard that? We were just so caught up with God. It was amazing. Now, there's a purpose in that. Have you ever thought about that? There's a purpose in that. The purpose is not to say, oh, I'm going to go back to cell group because it was powerful and I just want to feel good. No, if the Holy Spirit is visiting your cell group, you've got to ask the question, what is it that God is doing in our lives? What is it that God is doing through this cell group? Which leaders is he going to raise up? Which churches is he going to plant? What's he going to do? And here... In this story, uh, it's the first chapter of the missions book, Revolutions from India. I'm just going to read it to you. The silence of a great hall in Kokan was broken only by soft choking sobs. The Spirit of God was moving over the room with awesome power. Convicting of sin, calling men and women into His service. Before the meeting ended, 120 people of the 1,200 pastors and Christian leaders present made their way to the altar responding to the call of the north. They were not saying, I'm willing to go, but rather, I'm going. They were not saying, I'm willing to go, but rather saying, I'm going. They made the choice to leave home, village, family, business, career, and to go where they would be hated and feared. Meanwhile, another 600 pastors pledged to return to their congregations and raise up more missionaries who would leave South India and go to the north. Do you know where the north is? Pakistan? Where there's a lot of terror activity? I stood silently in the holy hush, praying for the army of God crowded around the altar. I was humbled by the presence of God. As I prayed, my heart ached for these men who came to the altar. How many would be beaten? How many would go hungry? How many would be cold and lonely in the years ahead? How many would sit in jails for their faith? I pray for the blessing and protection of God on them and for more sponsors across the seas to stand with them. They were leaving material comforts, family ties, personal ambitions ahead, lay a new life among strangers. But I also knew that they would witness spiritual victory as many thousands thousands would turn to Christ and helped form new congregations in the unreached villages of North India. Now, I'm reading that today because I read that during the week, and I thought, you know what? That says everything that I want to say about sending today. The Holy Spirit visited this meeting. And you know how the Holy Spirit visited this meeting? Because to get 120 people to respond to God, to say, not that I'm willing to go, but that I'm going. And 120 people came forward and actually said, you know what? I'm ready to leave everything behind and I'm going to go. I know I may lose my life. I know it's going to be tough, but God has spoken to me and I'm ready to go. And they sent them there. And there's countless testimonies of what God has started. See, if we're going to see people sent out, we're going to become a missions church where we're sending people out. We've got to have the Holy Spirit visiting you and I and telling us where we should go. God's already spoken to our senior minister, Colin Dye, and many prophecies over the years that God has called Kensington Temple to be like an Antioch church, to send missionaries out to northern Africa, to reach people in the unreached people groups. People have never heard of Jesus. Now, if you're a member of Kensington Temple, you're here because the Holy Spirit has led you here today. When we move into missions month, I'm believing that God is going to start to visit you. He's going to start to visit your cell group. The Holy Spirit is going to start to visit many cell groups, and many cell groups are going to start to say, hey, where does God want us to go? There's going to be missions to Romania, missions to Brazil, missions all over the place where people have never heard of Jesus. I was speaking to Marcelo, and he's going to share in a couple of weeks' time, but he told me that they're reaching a village in Brazil that I've never heard of Jesus. And he said, as they sent people four hours' drive from Recife into the north part, just not so far from the Amazon, they, 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 they preached the gospel, and he told me it was like heaven came down. Like the, I mean, the glory of God, like he's never experienced before, and these people rushed forward in tears and gave their lives to the Lord. And I thought to myself, what, what is it about God? When God sends you out to reach unreached people, that's when the power of God is at its optimum. That's not for us to go, oh, the power of God was awesome. But the power of God was awesome, why? Because God displays his power to save people. God displays his glory to bring people into the kingdom of God. God does signs and wonders to point people to Jesus. So the greater the power when we preach the gospel is because God wants people to come to faith in him. Now, As we conclude right now, I'd like just the band to come back right now. All this takes place when we as believers, get to the point in our life and say, God, here am I, send me. What do you want me to do today? As we move into missions month, we know we're called to win, we know we're called to consolidate, we know we're called to disciple, and we know that God has sent us out. He's sending us out. He's got a mission for us to do. Let's bow our heads in prayer right now. I'm gonna give a response to people here today You may have never surrendered your life to God. You may have never come to that place where you say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Jesus said, believe in the one who sent me. Believe in the Father, and you'll pass from death to life. In this moment right now, if you're in this place today, you need to recommit your life to God like I did when I was 16 years old. Or you're in this place today and you need to receive Jesus for the first time, and he'll give you eternal life. I'm going to pray this prayer out loud. And then I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand to receive Christ today. Just say this prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you right now. And I acknowledge that you came. You were sent by God to to save me, to give me eternal life. You died upon the cross. And on the third day, you rose again. And right now, I come to you. I need your forgiveness. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Today, I choose to follow you. I choose to be your disciple. Thank you, Lord for receiving me into your kingdom. Every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer right now and you need his forgiveness, you need Jesus in your life, and you prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart, I want you to lift your hand right now because I'm gonna pray with you right now in the name of Jesus, thank you. Lift it high right now. When you lift that hand, you lifted it high because you lifted it to heaven. Let heaven see that hand right now. Thank you at the front. Lift it high, thank you on the right hand side. Thank you in the middle there. Lift it high. You're in this place today. and say, oh, today, I've heard this sermon, and I want to I recommit my life to God. Lift your hand high. I'm going to pray with you right now. In the name of Jesus, lift your hand high right now. Thank you, Father. Let heaven see that hand. If, you're, if you lifted your hand, I want you to stand on your feet right now. Just stand right now. Everybody lifted your hand, and I'm going to pray with you right now in the name of Jesus. Let's give them a hand as they stand right now. The lady at the front. It takes boldness to stand. You stand before God today. Stand before God, that's it, just stand right now. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray for every single person who's standing. Today is a new day, it's a new beginning. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll come into our life, you'll make them born again and that they'll move forward as disciples with you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we give you the glory and the honor for what they've done today and making a decision to follow through in Jesus' name. Amen. For everybody who's standing, hallelujah. For everyone standing, I want to spend a few moments with you Just praying with you so if we can just have the 2.30 consolidators standing with some of these people right now. And then we'll speak to you at the end of the service and take your details. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus praise today. Thank you, guys.